From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour and appreciate having Father Memo Hernandez here. Father? Hey, Everybody, how are you doing? <laughs> I was trying to figure out if it's evening or morning or what is it. I don't know. But it, well, it, I'm not sure. It depends on what time zone you're in. Exactly. Uh, I don't know. Father Memo is the uh, director of vocations. Yes. Oh, yes. It's a pleasure always to be here with you, Bob. And thank you for inviting me to participate in the radio uh, and giving me this opportunity to be in touch with all those people who listen to, to this beautiful Catholic station, radio station. So I'm here to visit you and to talk about the wonderful things happening this summer at the diocese in regards to vocations mm-hmm. and the things that will continue happening. So whenever you want, I can start. Well, the first off, explain exactly what the vocations director does. Well, um, mm. That's a hard question because before I I thought that I used I thought that I knew that <laughs> it's kind of complicated to explain. But this is I have like a different areas where I work at. Uh, one area is the promotion, mm-hmm. which implies me being in touch with Newman centers and working with college students in different levels and capacities, from being present at the retreats confessions or also spiritual counseling or you know giving that spiritual support to college students in different ways even outside of the Newman Center activities then um, another area that I visit in terms of promotion is high schools as well I go to Catholic high schools the same giving sacraments to them spiritual counseling inside of the school and sometimes outside of the school when parents ask me for help and then I visit the Catholic schools in our par- in our parishes in our diocese. I visit parishes themselves to preach during <laughs> Sunday masses, and I I talk about vocations and I meet families. I visit families where I see possibility for for young men to to become a priest or in the future, you know, to consider priesthood. So I visit them, um, and also you know through social media. I'm present through social media, posting stuff that can be helpful for young people to consider their religious life or priesthood and so forth. This is the promotional part that I work on, on top of retreats, attending congresses, attending events where young people are going to be present. Now, I have another area, which is the formation, the formative area, Uh which is once a young man is interested in becoming a priest or a seminarian, I accompany him mm-hmm. uh, through a, a journey of of meeting with me and and then I ask him to have a spiritual director, a psychologist, being involved in the parish and in this way I'm working in different areas of this young man until he reaches the threshold that, that is needed for any man to go to the seminary. So that's the formative area, which also includes and is extended to the area of the seminarians, which is a, like another category, but is still in the area of formation because mm-hmm. I uh, keep on accompanying them. I call the seminarians or I visit them together with Sister Maria, uh, and we accompany the journey of this man. Of course, the diocese hires, to say something like, hires the formators at the seminary. You know, the seminary works for us in that sense, you know, mm-hmm. because the bishop is the ultimate formator of, of any man right. that wants to become right. a priest. So that's why he appointed me and appointed Sister Maria to make sure that those men that have been accepted by the diocese are receiving a good formation, the formation that is adequate for them and adequate for the culture and the style of this particular diocese. Every diocese thinks and feels in a different way, which is all right. Geographically and socially speaking, every diocese is different. So we need our men to be formed into the needs of this particular diocese sacramento. So Sister Maria and I are the ones who take care of that area. 
Then this is the formative area, no? And then um, I have another area, which is as well here, the office. You know, okay. is, uh, as, and I'm the director and also the manager of, of this office. And I have to do things with this office that, uh, uh, that relates with paperwork and, and, right. and, and things for that. In that regards, Maricela Smith helps me. Actually, she's the one that I can say she's the boss because yeah. <laughs> I'm a mess with papers and procedures and such. You know, she's the one who keeps she's everything. She's a gift from God. Yeah, totally. She yeah. keeps things in order and, and she's very organized and very, very efficient in that. And the other area <clears throat> that, that takes a lot of my time is the PR area, mm -hmm. the public relationship stuff. Because as vocational director, for the sake of my seminarians and the diocese, I need to be in touch with the internal diocesan offices here, like uh, finance, but especially the one that regards to catechesis, evangelization, work with young people. I'm, I'm very much in touch with them, the area of communications, the, the social justice area. So I need to be in touch with different areas and departments in this diocese in order to, to do a good job, you know, mm -hmm. and to support them as well, to support them as, as vocational director. Another area of PR is with the donors, uh, meeting with them, attending the events that they organize, visiting them, um, through the Knights of Columbus particularly, right? right. And, and PR, now that I mentioned Knights of Columbus, that I'm very thankful to, to you and to all of them, is, is, uh, is part of my work, you know, to be in touch with them. Um, by the way, I have been, yes, FYI, uh, God has given me the privilege and the honor. I feel so unprepared and so unfitted for this, for this job, but they asked me to be the, the chapter chaplain mm -hmm. for this year uh, of the north uh, north uh, north state north state yeah. so like a, wow sounds like a big thing uh, i yeah. don't know so you see i'm in contact with different people so i would say these are the areas that that i do and i take care of as vocational director so you you you're obviously trying to i, I don't know if the word recruit is is right but you're trying to talk to young men who may may be interested in the priesthood and bring them in and but and but even once they are accepted they're seminarians you're still guiding them through that formation it doesn't end once they become a seminarian you right up until the day of their ordination that's right they're they're in your hands that's right and even it's a deeper accompaniment that we do what we do with a young man that enters the seminary because before entering the seminary, my accompaniment is kind of limited. You know, mm -hmm. I'm meeting with them, with him or with them, and and but he has a psychologist, he has a spiritual director, he has a work in the parish that I don't, I don't, I don't intervene. Or I is you know, I just trust that those other people are doing their job, the pastor, the psychologist, and the spiritual director. You know, and this man just reports to me the growth or the, the areas where he is not growing for me to accompany him, for me to help him, for me to, mm -hmm. to give resources so that he may grow. You know, But once he's a seminarian, it's different because I'm totally in charge of, of making sure that everyone does their job, the spiritual director of the seminary, right. the formators, the teachers, the professors, the everyone, everyone, even the food area. I mean, that's my responsibility uh, in order to make sure that those men are healthy physically, mentally, spiritually. I, I don't know how often this happens, but uh, you must have the, the occasions where, where people come to you and say they're interested in, in the priesthood. And from your standpoint, you realize it's, it's not a good fit. That's got to be hard. It's hard, very hard. There are young men since the first meeting, I realized that they are not fitting for different circumstances, you know. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, mental <laughs> mental things, you know, unfortunately. And and right there and there, I tell him, I tell the, the, the guys, you know, I'm sorry, I'm happy that you are here, but I don't see you fitting for preschool because mm -hmm. of this and this and this and that. Right. There are other men that, through the through the the mom the, the the months or even years of accompaniment, we discover together. And I say we because it's together. Mm -hmm. Him and I discover that 
that he's not called or they are not called to priesthood, at least not now, or mm -hmm. at least never in as a diocesan priest. Maybe and it doesn't mean there there's something wrong with them. It just means it is it isn't fit. Yeah, exactly. And I help them to see the reasons why they uh, they don't they are not fit. You know, and and it's not just me. I I work always with my team, Sister sure. Maria, Maricela. I I check with with the psychologists that help me when there there is a situation that that I, I don't understand I ask for for help in, to my friends that are psychologists not friends but people that are appointed also by bishop right, you know, right. that became my friends now but um, bishop appointed this man uh, or women to help us in this discernment so it's, in those cases after working for several months or years with a man and then we had to say no to him it's painful yeah it, it breaks my heart yeah um, but but yes but in the, the relationship continues you know uh, with some of them because they see how much they grew up right. just by the fact of being accompanied by the diocese right. they they grew up a lot as as men and, and catholics you know even though they didn't reach the seminary formation they grew up because they were formed by us still and accompanied by us it's a beautiful uh, case of one man you know who is from from the area of of uh, Colusa in that area, mm -hmm. you know, and when I met him three years, four years ago, he was a shy guy. He couldn't even speak. He was shaking every time he spoke to me, and, and such, you know. But throughout these f three years of, of accompaniment with psychologists, with spiritual director, with uh, uh, commitment in his parish, and meeting with me, coming to my retreats, and he didn't enter the seminary. But now he helps me. Mm -hmm. he's a volunteer in different activities that we have and you see him still growing and happy and mm -hmm. being more who he is supposed to be wow so yeah. so do you ever get called by parents saying hey i think maybe my son or your daughter you know um it's not just the priesthood right um is interested do you do you ever get calls from parents few times only a few times um most of the times is is the young man who who says yeah. that uh, and when that happens when parents have called me it's because their their children are are you know teenagers you know but it's only very few times that that I have experienced this um which is okay it's okay because um I don't want it's not good it's not healthy when parents are the ones who are like a pushing pushing the men which has happened you know there are some men who whose parents are the ones who are pushing, pushing, pushing. At the beginning, when the guys are young, they say, yes, of course, yes, I have vocation. And as we accompany them, once they are 18, 19 years old, is when they say the truth. They say, uh -huh. no, it's, it's, uh, I really don't want this. I don't, it's my parents, you know. Your parents, but yeah. I'm afraid to tell them, so right. things like that. Yeah, few occasions that's, I have experienced That's going to be difficult, too. It's difficult for the young man. I, to talk, I need to talk to the parents. Yeah, I have done. I have done it. Say to the parents, you know, uh, your son doesn't want. But it's because he said that when he was five years old, whatever, blah blah blah. You know, said so, yes, but but your son is not ready now, or he's he doesn't see that right now. Right. And we need to respect that. Yeah, and, and I mean the last thing you want is an, a, a reluctant priest. <laughs> That's. That's terrible. Not good, for, not good for anybody. No, it's like a, obliging your your child to go and marry a person that he or she doesn't want. That, right. That right. doesn't work. Right. That doesn't work. Yeah. Wow. So you now have a seminarian who's considerably older than most seminarians. How does that? Yeah. How did that happen? Oh, that's a beautiful story because. He's a I got to meet him, and I just was charmed and fascinated. Yeah, he's a great, great man. Um, he was a convert. He's a convert in his 20s. So he joined a religious congregation. He joined several, two religious congregations, I guess. And But also he worked as, as um, he worked, he, he has his work, you know, in the, in the, in the healing area, in uh -huh. the medical field, you know. Uh, he's not a, a doctor, he's not a physician, but in that area of healing always. And then he started psychology and such. So he did different things in life. Then he joined once again a 
an order, a, a monastery. He mm -hmm. went to enter into a monastery. Mm -hmm. And he stayed there for several years. It was a good number of years that he was a monk. Wow. And only when he became... Was he up in Vina? No, no, that was in Hawaii. Oh, wow. Yeah. When he became the superior of that, of that congregation, or when he was about to be the superior, they saw the need for him to study theology. He didn't have theology, nothing. So it's when, when they sent him to, to St. Patrick's to study theology, and it's when I met him. But unfortunately, the, the religious order that he belonged to uh, was disbanded. You know those, those new religious orders that start with a lot of strengths and, right. and very powerful, but in time, things don't work out, and, right. and they, they get dissolved. That happened with his order. So he was looking for a diocese, diocese that may welcome him, and he knew Ben, Ben Condon. Oh, wow. He knew at the seminary, they became very cold, close friends and blah, blah, blah. And he, he used to come to our diocese before to visit his other friends that he had and such. He talked to me and and I met with him while we were doing a pilgrimage to Europe with all the seminarians. Yes, imagine my my meeting with him, my first meeting was in Germany. Oh, wow. <laughs> and the official meeting with me and Sister Maria was in Poland. Oh my over, goodness. over a lunch in a beautiful place ne next to a river there in, in, in Poland. It was beautiful. So we liked this guy very much, and we proposed to Bishop. Bishop was open to for me to start the, the, the research, you know, the due diligence, to right. due, due diligence with him. We did it. He was vetted by the diocese, and, I mean, he went through all the, the vetting process, sure. and, and he's here with us. Wow. So how how long a path does he have now before uh, ordination? He is now about, he will go to Theology 2. Mm -hmm. So he needs to finish Theology 2, 3, 4, plus the pastoral year. So he needs four more years. Okay. Wow. And yeah. then he'll be ready to retire. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> you know, we have some not men. That old. He's not that we, old. No, no, we have some men that, that uh you know don't some priests that's what i mean that even though they are in the 60s 70s they are still they're strong i mean i i i had a a friend whose father he became a widower and uh, a widow uh, a widower widower and uh um became a catholic priest at i believe age 68 i think he was when he became a priest he, he just died a couple of years ago was not a, a priest for this diocese but but he yeah. he was in the financial world and had i think three or four kids and and uh his wife died and uh i don't know what background he had prior to that but became a priest at a, a very not very advanced age but you know yeah and it's not uncommon that older men become seminarians and then priests you know yeah. uh, the journey is not easy right but it's possible for them so yeah. in the case of this man is is also you know but he in the case of Scott Scott with the courage and name of the seminarian that we're talking about, he's a very humble man. Yeah, he has a lot of um, he's he has a very docile heart. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's easy to be formed. That's 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 something that we need to check of a man that wants to be a seminarian, how willing he is to be formed. Sure. And of course, we know that our tendency as we grow older, we are less available to be formed formed to change our ways of thinking and behaving we are more stuck into our patterns you know yeah and and uh, i mean I, I can just think of my own own self um i want it today i want to be a priest tomorrow can you make that happen yeah. you know i'm not sure you know it would maybe when you're 18 you're thinking well you know college or graduate school is I, we're talking five ten years anyway you yeah. know but no, I want to be a priest today or tomorrow. Yeah. Can you, you know, and and uh, I'm not interested in. I've already formed myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, yeah so that that's makes, another way. Yeah, that's another so, way. Do you sometimes have someone come to you, and you you actually realize that maybe being a uh, being a priest might work, but maybe being a diocesan priest isn't the direction. For this person, maybe he wants to—I don't know—be a marinol. Maybe he wants yep. to, you know, etc. Uh, did you kind of s oh, yeah. steer them that way? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, that has happened several times. That after talking several weeks or months with a, with a young man, uh, 
the it's clear that the call to serve the Lord is not through diocesan priesthood, right. but rather through through a religious life, right. whether being a brother or being a religious priest. And and I contact, I, mean, I help him to contact religious orders, uh-huh. uh, depending on the characteristics that I see in this man, and 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 also what he feels that God is asking him to do, whether monastic life or missionary life or the life of of um, like Dominicans, you know, that they right. preach and they teach. Depending of this man's needs and 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 call is what we what we do. But it has, has I have had several cases like that. Now you have a, a great event coming up very yeah. shortly, a Covaris. Covaris. Where are you going? Yeah, exactly. That's a beautiful event, Covaris, uh, for boys 13 to 17 years old. It's going to be from July 28 to the 30th. It's going to be at Trinity Pines here in, in Colfax. And the registrations are about to be closed okay. because we have already 40 boys. Oh, wow. Yeah, 40 boys right now. And I don't want this to be a, a humongous group because then it's, it's hard to, right. you know, to manage those boys. But we have already 40 boys, and we are very happy about that. So I ask for prayers for everyone. Donations are welcomed, you know, mm-hmm. because the NASA Columbus help us a lot. But right. it's like a, it, yeah. So this is a, a weekend, uh, Friday through Sunday. That's right. It's, it's like Residential. a kind of camping, camping style, you know. Right. Uh, and and the kids have moments for prayer, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have games. We have talks. We have plenty of food. And, and this retreat is not for every every kind of kid. That's what I announced in the parishes, you know. It's not for that typical kid that doesn't want to come to church and is very right. rebellious and is in right. drugs and the mother the mother or the father wants the kid to have... You're going to go to this. Yeah. No. Yeah. This retreat doesn't work for those kids. On the contrary. Right. This retreat can be detrimental for the, for the spiritual life of that kid because this retreat is more focused into what's the future of this young man, whether married life, whether priesthood, religious life. Right. We talk about the theology of the body, mm-hmm. for them to know the, the, the beauty of, of their body as men and the call to be men, you know, right. uh, and so forth, you know. So that's why a kid that doesn't even want to know about God and, and, and hates everyone, <laughs> this retreat is like a, like yeah. a, as we were speaking in, you know, in a, in a foreign language yeah, <laughs> that he would right, not understand. Right. Yeah. Very good. Very good. So how do people sign up for that? Yeah, there is there is a um, um, they can call Maricela Smith nine one six seven three three zero two five eight or they can go to this website. I hope I can say it beautifully and quickly as you do it. It's www.scd.org slash quovaris q u o v a d i Yes, excuse me. Everybody who learned Latin in <laughs> high school. And SCD stands for Sacramento Catholic Diocese. So that's easy to remember, scd.org. You also have a seminarian's retreat coming up. Right. Right after Kovari's retreat is over, next day we bring the seminarians to, we'll, this year we'll be in Santa Cruz oh, in a wow. retreat house there. For us to rest like Jesus did with his disciples after a, a long summer, we bring our seminarians to rest to be there in peace. And we it's a time for us to pray that it's going to be Father Matthew Spencer uh-huh. from the um, Oblates of St. Joseph. He's excellent. Yeah, he will be with us. We are very happy that he's going to be with us, giving us some talks and things to reflect and pray about it. And this is a moment to meet with the seminarians for the last time before they go to their seminaries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great time. Wow. Did they have time to ride the roller coaster? Yes. We have that moment. <laughs> yeah. We have a celebration. The first day is kind of social. We go to Santa Cruz ro- roller coaster right. to the, uh, how do you call it? The, the boardwalk. Boardwalk. Thank yeah. you. And the first day and the last day, we have celebrations. Yes. Yeah. One of my daughters uh, spent her first two years of college at UC Santa Cruz. Ah. And uh, that that walk, uh, West Cliff, and, and the, just is so beautiful down there. It is, and the it? redwood trees. And if you didn't believe in God, you would after seeing those redwood trees, I'll tell you. It's, it's beautiful, very relaxing. Yeah. Being, imagine just being praying and, and talking with God and talking about God and listening as a background the the, the ocean, yeah. the waves, you know. It's so relaxing, so 
conducive for prayer. There's such a beautiful church right there on the water too. I'm trying to uh, trying to remember the name of it. I don't know. Be- beautiful Catholic church on the on the water there. But in Santa Cruz. In Santa Cruz, yeah. yeah. I don't know what it would be. My, my daughter can tell me how how let you know, but it's. I need to go more often to Santa Cruz because you know I go yeah. for work. Yeah. I just go to the retreat house and I'm working right. with minutes. The, the retreat is over and I come back, but I don't travel yeah. around. It's all in the Diocese of Monterey. Yes. It's so, it's so beautiful down there. Well, that's wonderful. And um, yeah, so and you've got you've got a, a full plate. And we just got through with the uh, vocations dinner, dinner, which was so so wonderful. And uh, the basketball game, no injuries in the basketball game? No injuries. Can you believe? At least nothing that was reported to me. So I don't know if the priests have to suffer for uh, soreness, <laughs> but they didn't complain to me at least. Nor to I didn't see anything uh, very uh, dramatic. No, uh, you know, people slipped and fell a couple of times, Not, but uh, no, nobody cracked a rib. Exactly. Yeah. We were praying. Bishop and I were praying <laughs> to God so I'm, all the priests may be healthy. No one would any broken bone or a stroke yeah. next day <laughs> so nothing well you know the the, the the beautiful thing there and it also at the vocations dinner it concludes with all the priests the yeah. seminarians the bishops praying together praying together and then uh um salve regina it, right. it's just and i start crying and i think all is right with the world yeah, it's just a, it's that's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful to f- moment to finish praying and, and God and praying to God and praying to Mother Mary, and the same with the vocation dinner. I'm, you know, I'm I, I want to use this time before before it's time for me for me to go uh, to give thanks to you, Bob, oh. for everything you do for the Office of Vocations for our seminarians, and also give thanks to all those people who are listening to us and who have helped us in the during the, the, the basketball, uh, helped us at the ordination. Of the of Father Eric Patrick, the one the people who helped us with the with the vocations dinner, and the people who are helping us with Kobaris and will help us because still we receive we are right. open to receive help, financial help, um, or material help. So I'm so thankful because this summer the Lord has gave the Lord gave me the possibility to see more and more His love shown to mm. the generosity of so many men and women, so many people that that they are, you know, giving their time, talent, and treasure to the church yep. for the sake of vocations, for the sake of promoting vocations, for the sake of hoping that one day the Lord will send more men and women to serve us, yeah. to serve this diocese. It's the future of the church. Yeah, and, and I'm very thankful. So thank yeah. you, Bob, and thank all of you who, who do something for us it's and for a, the church. It's a joy to help the Department of Vocations. And it's a joy to work with you, Father, and uh, Maricela and uh, uh, Sister Maria. And yeah, it's a real for joy. For us, too. For us, too. Yeah. Well, thanks so to much. Work with you. God bless uh, you and all your all the people that you come in contact with. And we'll look forward to seeing you again real soon. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you can come after Quo Vadis and, and the, the retreat and uh, tell us what it was like riding that roller coaster. I would love it. <laughs> that would be good. I would love it. Thank uh, you. Yes, I will be here. Very good, Father. So good to Thank see you. you. Uh, we'll take here. a quick break. Back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at the thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, 
turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour. Uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. This is James McCormick, President and CEO of the Sacramento Choral Society and Orchestra. You're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thanks for that wonderful introduction, and welcome back, everyone. We're pleased to welcome in uh, Deacon Greg McAvoy Jensen. Deacon, good to have you with us. And it's great to be back in our, our series here on Our the series, yes. Drawing to I, a close. And you, you brought the wonderful book again? Yeah, the Roman Missal. The can't, Roman go, Missal. can't leave home without that if yes. we're going to be talking about liturgy. Uh, if you carry it under one arm, it will be uh, stronger than the other arm. You'll, you'll, you'll <laughs> grow to be lopsided. That's right, yes. <laughs> yeah, you'll have Popeye arms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Well, good good to see you. Um, we, we've, uh, we're we running this series of uh, uh, about the Mass, and now we're, uh, I think we just, we, we're, going to talk about posture communion and things like that to, b right. to begin with. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We were right in the middle of uh, talking about re the reception right. of Holy Communion right. in our last uh, meeting. So this time, uh, as people come up for communion, uh, you know, the the norm for receiving communion now in the Latin Church is to, to stand. We don't uh, refuse people who kneel. They have right. that individually, but that's not the, uh, the norm. The norm right. is standing. And uh, with a head bow, not right. a, not a, bow at the waist, but just a, a mm -hmm. head bow, so mm -hmm. you're not hitting the person in front of you right, if they're right. still uh, moving out of the <laughs> right. way or clanking into the the communion holding the vessel, or the vessel holding the communion, but simp a simple head bow bending at the neck as we receive uh, communion. And uh, the minister, of course, is saying the body of Christ or the right. blood of Christ. It may be interesting to note that they don't say this is the body mm -hmm. of Christ, mm -hmm. even though that's part of what they're uh, implying right. in, in that statement. Did we cover this already? Maybe we did. No, I don't um, think so. Okay. Yeah. But it, they're also, I mean, also implied in that statement is an action, right? Receive the right. body of Christ. It's right. not just something for you to see. Right. Uh, it's something for you to receive as a gift from God the Father. Right. And uh, But it, it, it even implies more than that. It's really also saying, uh, it's a reminder um, of, of our a challenge to us, the invitation to us to become Right. the body of Christ. Right. Uh, and further, uh, when they say the body of Christ, it also really means, uh, it, it recalls our baptism mm -hmm. and our core identity already. Right. You know, you are the body of Christ. Right. So uh, all of that comes together in this sacred moment of communion, communion with uh, the Lord Jesus, communion with the Holy Trinity, and, and communion with one another as we're gathered there in the church throughout the world and throughout time. It's, uh, and it's, we, it's we're, hard to hold it all in mind. It, it is really, you know, it's so it's so overwhelming really and and just recently we're we're back to having the chalice exactly and, uh, yes um you know this wasn't the first time that happened very frequently during the flu season we'd we'd see it uh, they were only going to and the bishop had a good piece um about uh both you know both speed both bread and wine and uh blood, body and blood and that either or is complete, but 
doing both is even even better, if you will. Yeah, uh, and and we can talk more about com- more complete somehow. Yeah. So so we can talk about that in terms of what it is. Mm-hmm. So either one in and of itself is uh, Christ. So, right. Uh, there's no there's no problem, and if someone for any reason is uncomfortable or medically unable to receive both, then they uh, can rest in confidence knowing that either one, either one. Uh, has has brought them the the fullness um, of the sacramental presence of Christ. But liturgy affects us; liturgy forms us, and it does so through the, uh, many different ways. But uh, including it, it included in that is the symbolic is the power of the use of symbols. So mm-hmm. when we say this is the blood of the covenant, that sinks in in a different way sure. if you're going to receive from that blood of right. the covenant. Uh, and so it's yes, the 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 fullness of the symbol affects how we are formed by the liturgy. Right. So that's the benefit, I think. Really. Right, and you know it, it it is interesting that you you know you use this, the term symbol because. There's that we we see the Pew Research and all these these polls and things saying how many people believe this is the real presence, how many believe it's a symbol. It can be both. It definitely is the real body and blood of Christ, but it it also is symbolic of that in terms of of it goes back to the Last Supper, of course, and 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 it, it's an it's. It's unfortunate. I, I, I sometimes think these polls are unfortunate uh, yeah. um, because it's really not up for debate. It, it is what it is, no matter what you believe. <laughs> it is the body and blood of Christ, whether you don't think it is. Uh, but and the, the Eucharistic you know, revival, um, I think, is a wonderful, wonderful thing ongoing now. And I, I know that's not the only reason we're doing it, but hopefully that will let people know. I mean, I, I you know I can have that discussion with my own children, you know, say, and if they if they think I don't believe it, they're probably not going to believe it. Mm, if yeah. they think, Gee, Dad and Mom, they really believe this, um, we better go a little deeper on this. That's right. You that's know? right. There's lots to learn about the real presence and yeah. what the church uh, means by that. Right. Uh, and what you've said is very uh, precise. I think that we, uh, you know, Catholics always come back to this. And there's so much that we hold together at right. the same time: belief in uh, the in transubstantiation, belief right. in the fact that the uh, the the what were bread and wine have become the body and blood of Christ, and also the the belief that uh, the Eucharist works through the sign, the symbol mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. that's present. If you open up your catechism to the section on the Eucharist, there's a whole section there on the sign mm-hmm. uh, and and how that works. So all of that is true. So if you yeah, if we come upon a survey that says, is it uh, is it the real presence uh, or is it a symbol? Well, right. they're both have both. truth, yeah, so sure. it, it, it's not an either or. Just as you had said so well, so yeah, that that's an important clarification. Yeah. But the fact that it's a symbol, uh, it's a different sort of symbol. It's the kind of symbol that makes present what it represents. Most right. symbols, uh, like a uh, a red dot on your uh, water faucet <laughs> that indicates something hot, right? exactly uh, that represents and it and it has a connection to it you know it's sure. like fire hot okay sure. i get it so that's how symbols work yes so that's good but the red doesn't bring you hot water no, it's not right. the red that does it in <laughs> this right. case in the case of the eucharist it actually it makes is. present what it yeah. symbolizes or god 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 does that work and it's so it's so you know I, I, we, we we all can run that question through our mind and uh, uh you just go back to the words of christ they're pretty clear Right. This yeah. this is my body. Um, I guess you could say, "Well, do this in remembrance of me," and you could kind of say, "See, it's a symbol." Well, but even but you, there, but even is, there, we're um, talking about memory in a in a technical sort of sense. Exactly. Uh, uh, anamnesis or anamnesis right. is a a way of uh, remembering something that happened in the past exactly. that also joins us to that right. event. So in Eucharist, we have to remember too. We're not simply talking about. Uh, 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 Christ um, in the abstract, we're talking especially about being joined to his passion 
right. his death and his resurrection, right. that that becomes something that we become sharers in. So we join together under the cross at the Lord's table of sacrifice and uh, join with him right. in, in his passion through the Eucharist. All that is happening as we bow and say amen and receive together. Right. So when I, when I was a kid, of course, um, several decades ago, uh, we would all kneel around the communion rail mm-hmm. and, and the priest would come, and only the priest at that time would come and distribute Holy Communion and only on the tongue. And at some point that all changed, uh, presumably Vatican II, You'd think um, I would have this distinct memory of <laughs> when that changed, even going from Latin to, to English, when that changed. Like one day, whoa, what happened here? But I don't have a distinct memory of exactly when that was. It had to be, uh, you know, late 60s or mid to late 60s. Um, and now we, we pretty much stand. Like you say, you can kneel, but pretty much stand for the reception of Holy Communion. Yeah, the um, norm is to stand. The norm and is that's to what stand. we teach. And it's uh, okay, you can still receive it on the tongue, or it's okay to receive it in the hand. Yes, and outside of something exceptional like a pandemic, that's totally up to the individual right. which they choose. Right. And that uh, that all a result of Vatican II, pretty much? Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And, I mean, Vatican II, of course, going back to um, the early days of the church as well. Sure. So it's not, sure. it's not, yeah. it's not, uh, it's not innovation. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? So right. this is, uh, this is quite ancient. Yeah. And standing of course is, is a symbol, uh, not just of us now being kind of milling about aimlessly. Mm-hmm. We, we stand together with the risen Christ. Right. It's the posture that joins us together right. with him in his risen state. And right. that is how we meet him, uh, in the Eucharist. Wow. That's, it's so powerful. I, I remember hearing somebody once said, if, if more people believed that this was the body and blood of Christ and what Christ did for us, they'd be crawling to church. They'd be on their hands and knees coming to church. Yep. You know, I, I sometimes think we've all gotten a little bit too, too casual. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think, part of why after receiving, com- after the community has all received communion and uh, the, the vessels have been put wherever they're going to be put, and, and that can, uh, there, there's a little bit of flexibility there. The, the cleaning of the vessels, mm-hmm. the purification, does not have to take place during the Mass. They can be set on the credence mm-hmm. table. You know, what's, what, re- what remains of the hosts uh, right. can be consumed, or if there are many, then it can be sent to the tabernacle. Uh, the remaining blood of Christ uh, gets consumed, uh, and then um, there's not a there's not a separate heading in the ritual that says now is the great purification and all shall attend. You know, it's not. It doesn't have that level mm-hmm. of uh, of importance relative to the other parts of the mass. Right. Um, so it is something that yes gets taken care of or can be taken care of right after mass, and the vessels covered with a with a cloth until then. And then after that, it is the time where we um, can have some silence. Mm-hmm. It says there can be a period of sacred silence. And I think of that just as what you were describing, a time uh, you were talking about people crawling because of right. uh, the awesomeness of what's right. av- available to them now. Here we sit perhaps stunned mm-hmm. by the intimacy that God has just shared with yeah. us. That yeah. here, here we are dining with the Trinity, you know, <laughs> What, what it's, uh, it, as, it, as Mary says, you know, um, how can this be? Yeah. It's just amazing. Well, I, I, I had a guest on last week talking about uh, the uh, adoration and saying, you know, I have all these times when I pray and when I read and when I, but she said, I just sit there with Jesus. I look at him, he looks at me. And I just got chills, like and he said, and just as you described the awesomeness of this. I mean, uh, here I am. I'm uh, riding my bicycle to church, and I'm out there in the sun and the wind and everything, and I go in that room, one on one with God, with the Creator of everything. It's it's more than I think the brain can handle. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. yeah. Yep. There's a prayer that's said silently by the. Mm-hmm. 
the priest or the deacon uh, as they're purifying the vessels. Right. Uh, what has passed our lips is food, O Lord. May we possess in purity of heart that what has been given to us in time may be our healing for eternity. Beautiful, beautiful yeah. and very ancient uh, prayer there about you know the mystery of what is transpiring there. And then, then um, the prayer after communion. Yes. So, and that's a, that's a very important piece. It's another of these uh, parts that's proper to the specific day or season. So it, it's uh, it's always got a character that matches the rest of the liturgy, uh, and it's a, a beautiful um, uh, brief prayer that the priest uh, leads us in, and it. Uh, it's important to have that it have the continuity with the reception of communion. So mm-hmm. it's important that there, instead of silence, it's possible to have you know a song, a hymn, a psalm, uh, something like that, something of praise to God, right. uh, following uh, the communion chant, the communion hymn, uh, which is to unify the whole communion right. rite actually, um, and the people who as they participate in it. So uh, a- after that period of silence or song, then we have this prayer that concludes that central to the Mass, communion uh, rite. So the, mm-hmm. the really are, um, uh, uh, for most people, I think it's the most intense uh, uh, part of, of the Mass. So it's important that we not add other kind of extraneous things like the announcements or something uh-huh, like that uh-huh. before the prayer right. uh, after communion. But we, we join together and, and, and pray. After that, the communion rite has has now ended. So that's when we transition then uh, into announcements. But the the rites in multiple places say, if necessary. Right. right? So right. we're not we're not, yeah, we're not begging yes. for a lengthy <laughs> right. litany of of uh, things that seem relatively petty compared to what right. we just celebrated. But yes, there there can be announcements, and that's the right time for them after the prayer. I, I, the I sometimes feel sorry for the person. Uh, who uh, maybe they're representing some group or something that we're going to meet, uh, you know, on Tuesday night. So we want to, and uh, that they have to pop up at that point, you know, and and, and it's like, oh, you know, yeah. like we're we're back to the mundane. If you not, not in a a bad way, but yeah. it, it's uh, considering what has just happened, what has just taken place. Yeah. But, but it fits in a it way fits, in yeah. the concluding rites because the concluding rites are like if, we, if, we're, if we're at a – if you've watched the Olympics and it's time for the toboggan, there's a place where they start yep. climbing into the thing, right? <laughs> right, they, right. And then they, start, or they slide it back and forth a few times and then they start yeah. climbing it. That's what's happening here in the con- concluding rites. There's a launching uh, that's taking right. place. And so if part of what is happening is we're telling them about some of the things they're being being launched to, right. events of the parish coming up, sure. that's fine. It it fits, you know, genre-wise in that. Um it I mean it the the contrast certainly highlights the importance of that prayer after communion and the right. communion rite that it's uh, wrapping up, you know, it is it is different from that, but it also has a a, a character of because we have received now we must go. Yeah. Now we are sent. So that's uh, that's then how the concluding rites uh, begin. Then and then we have the, you know, that flow that what we're used to. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. That greeting, and then to get people ready, one last prayer over them, a blessing, mm-hmm. but a, a blessing in in this time that is kind of a, a commissioning. I mean, right. there's no blessing greater than the Eucharist that we received. Sure. But I think in my mind, this isn't something that I. Uh, found in the rites or whatever, but in, in my mind at least, this prayer is one of, of launching, of, of right. prepares us to be, to be sent forth. So, um, and it can't, it, sometimes it's that simple, you know, may Almighty God bless you, but there are times of the year where we'll have either a solemn blessing mm-hmm. or a prayer over the people, and those have two different, two different flavors uh, to them, uh, but you know, they'll be Advent related or, you know, related to whatever, whatever it is. For um, the solemn blessing, that's mm-hmm. the longer one. You'll hear that bow down for the blessing mm-hmm. uh, directive. 
hand will will be bowed, and then there will be uh, three amens that we'll give. Right. And you're always, you know, we're always listening there to hear when the voice, because we, because it, it's not a through Christ our Lord for each of right. these. There, each one ends in its own unique way, and so we have to be able to, to tune in and see when when the if we if we think the priest is really done or has he hit a comma because uh-huh, we don't yeah, want to say right. our amen over this comma right and yeah. some of them some of them do have that and these are all addressed not to God but to us interesting mm-hmm. so uh, as you run the race of this present life may he make you firm in faith joyful in hope and active in charity so the priest is talking to us asking uh, telling us what the priest hopes God will do right. for us, essentially, and then at the end, and may Almighty and the and may the blessing of Almighty God. So that's the the solemn blessings, which are three part, and then we also have instead of that could be a prayer over the people, and here we are talking, the priest is speaking directly to God. So, for example, uh, may your family always rejoice together, O God, over the mysteries of redemption they have celebrated and grant its members the perseverance to attain the effects that flow from them through Christ our Lord. Amen. When, when would we be likely to hear that? So any, any uh, um, particular day like in Advent or Lent mm-hmm. or Easter or um, uh, Christmas season, sure. um, anything like that, yeah, solemnities, um, I don't recall exactly the rules about when a prayer over the people can be used, but there are there are lots of occasions when they can be. And what about the, the solemn so, blessing? And and same for the same, solemn same blessings, for the solemn. yeah, yeah. And uh, they've got here's one for if you're having the dedication of a church or in mm-hmm. celebrations for the dead, uh, if it's uh, different saints. There's one for the Blessed Virgin Mary, one for Saints Peter and Paul, and then set for ordinary time. So Sundays of ordinary time, uh, you could have. Um, uh, solemn blessings, one for the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. there, there are all kinds of uh, different types of solemn blessings. Well, so and then uh, we, get, we get ready to leave. Yeah. So the priest makes the sign of the cross over us in that final blessing. It might be for for folks who are interested in in the details and who are really interested in making sure they follow exactly what the rubrics say and they don't do anything that the rubrics don't right. say, it actually does not. At the beginning of the Mass, it does have us making the sign right. of the cross. Right. At the end, it doesn't say that we do that. Oh, wow. Yeah, so has the priest doing it? I think, I think most of us do. I think most of yeah. us do. We're, we're taught to do that. <laughs> yeah. But if you're, if you're interested in those little details, it's actually not in there. Uh, I, fi- I find, I, I remember I was <laughs> covering a basketball game one time, and this one player before... Uh, he went to shoot a free throw, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, you know. And I, I instinctively, yeah. <laughs> I, I was sitting there at the press table. <laughs> I instinctively blessed myself. Yeah. It was just, it was that, uh, just seeing some, seeing the, the sign of the cross. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I see, I think, more signs of the cross done at soccer games than at mass. Soccer? So, oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Big time in yeah. soccer. Yeah. Once in a while, a field goal kicker in in football, but soccer all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially before a penalty kick. <laughs> there you go. Right. And right. a goalie too. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. And then, uh, yeah. wow, we're we're almost we are almost out. The we're door almost here. at the end, but yeah. you hear things uh, take a little different turn now. If if the bishop is saying mass, if you have what's called a pontifical mass, then instead of um, you know, the Lord be with you and with your spirit. Um, uh, or actually, maybe it's after that. Yeah, no, it, it still includes the Lord be with you. But then the bishop uh, would say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And if you're at the cathedral, they'll all know to say now and forever. And then mm-hmm. he says, our help is in the name of the Lord. Uh, and then who made heaven and earth is the response. And then may almighty God bless you. Right. So it's a little bit different there. And if uh, if this is... At your parish, and he's using the pontifical blessing. Then you're, everybody sure. hopes that we've got some people from the cathedral there who know these responses because most people don't yeah. necessarily know them. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, and after that comes the uh, dismissal, mm-hmm. right? And the dismissal's uh, an interesting thing for at least in uh, in English. I don't know other languages, but in English we call this liturgy the Mass. And the place that that comes from is, and I'll go back to my favorite Latin scholar here, Bob Dunning. What, what are the last words of the Mass? 
Et misa est. There you go. Yeah. And and et misa est translates to go. The mass is ended. Well, sort of. Sort of. It doesn't really have the word ended. Oh, in that's it. true. We're saying it at the ending. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But it's uh, it's more like go. Go. It is sent. Yes. You yeah. know, we go back to that toboggan yeah. run, the the launching uh, that's yeah. that's happening here. This is the. This is the wow. this is kind of the like the starting gun of, yeah, yeah. of, of yeah, the next go phase. out in the world now. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Go so we, and we don't we don't say the the dismissals quite that way. We have different right. options, but it's uh, they all say go. Yeah. In all of them, there's a command yeah. to vacate the church and do something else, which would be uh, the living the rest of the Christian life. In fact, um, there, there's a place where it. Uh, in the in the general instruction of the Roman Missal, it tells uh, why why they're dismissed. So, the dismissal. This is in number ninety for folks who like to look these things up. The dismissal of the people by the deacon or the priest, uh, and it, and then it goes on that it happens so that each may go back to doing good works, praising and blessing God. So that's what this this uh, shoot takes us to as we are sent out of the church, Very doing good, good works, praising and blessing God. I like to think of it, you know, the slingshot, and they're pooing us out. Exactly, out the, out exactly, the door yeah. Out into the world. Right. Another metaphor could be the tide, you know, mm-hmm. in the in the life of sure. the church, in the life of a Christian. There, there is a, kind of like Ecclesiastes, you know, a time for flowing out mm-hmm. and a time for flowing back, a right. time for going out to right. uh, do this, do good works, praising and blessing God, and a time to reassemble as the whole community mm-hmm. to do so as the body of Christ in, in, a, in a beautiful uh, unity together, a, a time to go out uh, carrying uh, uh, Christ's, you know, to, to, to make to sacrifice our own selves right. as we uh, serve other people, and a time to come back and join together with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ yeah. um, for for the good of the world. A, a, a time where we serve in ways that aren't going to feel necessarily as poignant as right. a liturgy, right. um, but maybe uh, equally poignant in what we're you know we are bringing it, the presence of Christ wherever we go. Exactly. And then a time to come back and have that occur visibly. Together uh, in in the in in this liturgy that links us to the to the heavenly liturgy and to and to all eternity. So wow. that that's a that's the flow there. So this is this is that inflection point where boom off off we oh, go goodness. again, and there will come again that time where we are are called back uh, together by the church bells or, or whatever it is to to regather and take on that the form of the community, the body of Christ in the future. Well, I, I can't tell you what a joy it's. It, is to have you here and uh, to learn all this and uh, I'm sure a joy for our listeners as well so thanks thanks so much Deacon and uh, uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again one day one day soon I hope sounds great thanks. all right thank you Bob thanks so much thank you um, and God bless everyone and uh, that's going to do it for us today uh, for today uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again soon Spirit is moving.